Welcome to the Almost Not a Teacher podcast. Here, we are sharing experiences and how it's like being in the childcare and student care teaching industry. Let's discuss on teachers stepping out of their classrooms and into their new career path. I'm Shahida, and it's so nice to have you listening in. Teachers, do you know that your skills are transferable? Let's find out together on how we can empower you as a teacher and a career switcher. Hello and welcome to our fifth episode of Almost Not a Teacher podcast. I cannot believe that it has already been five weeks since we launched our first trailer episode on Spotify. After hearing the past four episodes, after hearing how I speak the past four episodes, I feel that I have certain inconsistencies on how I speak, how my tone is. There's always room to improve on. Along the way, there will always be inconsistencies. I'm still trying to grasp on how I converse, how I speak on here. But other than that, today's episode is something that I hold dear to me. It's about classroom management. Classroom management is not just about managing a class with strategies. It's about how you empathize with people around you as well. I'm going to break the sections down into hour-by-hour basis. Firstly, when the students report to us or dismiss from school itself, hundreds of students walking around you, running around you is chaos. You might even be overstimulated at that point of time. Your task during reporting time is ensure your students all accounted for, reported to you. Students who are not attending, you have to check up on them. Take note, mark somewhere that this student is not attending. So you don't have to frantically waste your time later on in the day to go and find that student so let's say that you have 23 students in your class make sure that all 23 students are accounted for you've marked the attendance and they are safe and we're all ready to go off for lunch like i mentioned just now how do you manage your class of 23 students amongst the chaos of other hundreds of students that are being dismissed in the school itself it is important to have your students organized wherever your reporting venue may be have an allocated venue that allows your students to sit in proper rows have their backs properly aligned if they are not sitting in proper rows you don't have a clear view where all your students are have a visible view of all your students because if they have reported to you but they sit somewhere else then that just beats the purpose of them coming to you once they are with you they are with you and you have to be responsible over them give them the instructions that they are supposed to just be there not away from you so what's next on our schedule is lunch you guys will be moving as a class from where your reporting venue is you're gonna walk improper rows to the canteen because the canteen is where you're gonna have your lunch right it won't just be your class in that canteen It'll be other classes and other students from the school using the canteen as well before you release them to the canteen what is best is repeat your instructions but don't repeat it in a long naggy manner you ask do you know what to do next do you know how long it takes for you to eat what do you do after you're done eating where should you wait after you eat ask them the questions and have them answer let's see if they know or they remember 
what their rules and what their instructions are. If you are constantly reminding them, it might seem to them as naggy because the more naggy you are, the more they do not want to hear anything from you. You're just gonna be background noise. Release them, have them wash their hands, you know, teach them about personal hygiene, allocate them seats. Since you asked them at the start of lunch, how long is the time frame for them to eat? Let's say you allocate 20 minutes for them to finish a plate of rice. It might or not be enough. Let's say 5 minutes have passed or 10 minutes have passed and you need them to eat faster. You don't have to go on like, eat quickly. Try to rephrase your sentence to make it seem like you are actually conversing with them rather than giving them demands. I feel that rephrasing your sentence would make it a whole lot better. So we don't want them to stress it. What's a better alternative would be inform them as a whole class that 5 minutes have passed, 10 minutes has passed. So if they do not want to eat, why not? If they are full, please do not force them to eat. We do not want any incidents of them vomiting out their food because of being too full. Ask them if it's okay for them to have one more bite, you know, have consent from them. If they say no, tummy's too full, tummy's aching, tummy's in pain, let's ditch the food, guys. But also, what if the children doesn't want to eat the food because they are disgusted with the food? If the child does not want to eat the food because they're having issues with themselves, like they're full, they're ill, that's a valid excuse. But if they mention something along the lines of, it's disgusting, this is not why I always eat. Why can't you guys serve something else? And they have this pure look of disgust. How do you handle that? <laughs> they have a choice to get that negative remarks and opinions to themselves. We would like to prevent this because that's really not pleasant to hear. We really have to practice empathizing others but also other children might hear that remark and be influenced by that thought as well. How we mentioned in the previous episode that being a student care teacher leans more towards character development than academics itself. I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinions. However, it's really how you put it into sentence. When your class has finished eating, gather them all again. It's always good to gather them at the end of everything because you always want to make sure that your students are never missing. To make sure that all your students are accounted for before you move to a different location. 23 students is a lot to take care of, especially in a chaotic environment. So before moving off to another location, have them in front of you. Make sure you have a clear view of all your students. Double check that all your students are there. You reach the canteen with 23 students, you leave the canteen with 23 students. Next, we're going to talk about homework time. And this is where the actual classroom strategies, routines, rules, reward charts are all put into actual place. Before they step inside my classroom, what I have them to do is to just wait for me outside. Why do I do that? Because from canteen, an environment where it's noisy, it's chaotic, when they're walking to class, they'll still talk to their friends. They're not in a state of seriousness to complete their homework. So I call this the transitioning time. 
that short few minutes outside the class, you could use this time to ask them if they know what to do when they step in the class. If they have any homework, any spelling to learn, if they have any upcoming tests for them to revise. When they're outside and you're asking them all these questions, they are going to put themselves in a state of mindset that they have to get ready for the serious time to study and complete their work. When they get inside the classroom, have them take out student handbook, their homework, spelling, or other worksheets that they have to complete for the day. What are student handbooks, if you may ask? Student handbooks are like mini calendars, mini planners. They're going to write down the homework that they have for the day, upcoming tests, or if they have any upcoming exams, they're going to jot it down in the calendars that they have inside as well. It's really a useful tool. It's also a tool for you to communicate with your class teacher itself. At the start of the study time, check on what homework the students have. Whatever they have taken out, tallies with what you read in their handbook. So what I like to do is that after my students are done with all their homework, they are not allowed to keep it first. They are going to show me their handbook and all their homework that is to be done that day. So I'm going to check that they actually complete it and I'm going to tick in their handbook, have a mark on there saying that, oh, this child has done their homework in student care. During study time, there might be cases where students do not want to complete their homework. Sometimes they are distracting to their classmates who wants to focus. Sometimes they don't think that it's important to finish up their homework. There are lots of different scenarios. So how do we target that? Because you, you see, our goal is for them to complete their homework. But to get to that goal, students have a lot of scenarios going on. So how can you and your class move in one direction to reach that goal? And this is where reward charts come in. You see, reward charts does not just work on younger students, but it also works on older students. What's the difference is that younger students are more motivated in physical items. For example, candies, pencils, rulers. But older students, they are more motivated if what they receive is independence, is freedom and time. What can be included in your reward chart? Different classes should have different sets of what needs to be completed to receive that reward. If the students in your class are more quiet, they are not open, they are very reserved. Your goal with that class is to have them be more open to each other, to break that bubble. But if you're in another class that always talks, distracts each other, you might have a different range of tasks for your students to complete to receive that reward. It's really different from one class to another. So if you are with your teacher friends, teacher colleagues, and you see that they have a reward chart that's totally different from yours, don't compare. It's really best not to compare because what they need is not what you need. And what you have for your class is not what they have for their class. You just sit in your class and you observe your students. You observe what they need. You observe what they want. The whole class is done their homework, so what do the students do? There is this thing called the filler time. Filler time is like an ad hoc activity 
whereby it just fills up your children's time till the next activity. If the children does not want it, it's okay. It's not compulsory. Filler time may include something educational like little puzzles. Have an array of little things that they can do. An educational magazine. Netgeo is a great magazine for your children to read little puzzles, maybe crosswords. Just fill up their time with something beneficial instead of just them having no options and just sitting there and waiting for the next timetable to chime in. But again, since this is not compulsory, students may choose to just sit and do nothing. Half the time, they will choose that. They're just so tired from their days of activity in school, from studying. They just want to wind down by themselves and that's okay we have nap time as well some students they insist on not wanting to rest because they feel that they don't have a reason why to do that and the reason why they have to nap and rest is because they had a long day in school explained to them that when you have a long day and you are unable to take a break you are going to feel so overwhelmed you're going to feel so tired if they do not want to sleep, that's totally fine. Some of them just don't have the tendency to fall asleep when the sun is still up. As long as they are just there, not doing anything, just winding themselves down in silence, in peace, with the lights off, that's totally fine. If they start being a distraction towards other students who are trying to take a nap, it's really not pleasant, but you're just there not thinking or empathizing about the people around you, about your other friends. You're making so much noise just because you don't want to nap. That is actually a pretty selfish move, if I may say. Sometimes you just have to bring that child out of that area. If after talking to them doesn't work, explaining to them the importance of having a nap and downtime just still doesn't work, have them out of the area. It's a pretty, I would say, it's a pretty bad move. But you have to think about the other children as well. They want to rest. They want to sleep. They need it. Next, we are going to talk about incidents or accidents. What are you going to do? Are you going to panic? Let's say that an incident happened. There is always a moment of panic. Always. But you tell yourself, calm down. I know what to do because you do know what to do but because you're panicking you're not thinking proper we're gonna have an example here okay we're gonna create a role play we're gonna create a little scenario here just for you to visualize better let's say a child was running around during playtime she fell on the ground and she scrapes her knees the blood just oozes out from her knees her friends whoever in the area they are just so curious about what's going on so they start to crowd around you guys and you're just there looking at her knee oh my gosh what should i do now <laughs> you're panicking it's valid to panic but leave that for only two seconds gather your thoughts you have learned how to handle this gather back your thoughts recall back what you are supposed to do firstly what you should do is to make sure that you're in a proper thinking headspace. Next, you are going to make sure that no one is around that area. You don't want the other children to be around you guys and have unnecessary comments because whatever they're saying are all just noises, background noises. And that is going to prevent you from thinking properly. So it's just you and that girl. Next, you have a phone with you, call 
your supervisor or call another teacher nearby and say that you need like you need help. If you have a first aid kit, get on with your first aid. Ask the girl who just fell if she has pain anywhere else other than the knee. Check if her arms are okay, her other legs are okay, her head's okay. Have a physical check. Then you do your first aid. If you do not have any knowledge of first aid, you have called whoever you called earlier. Wait for them. They better be running to you. So while you're waiting for them, mentally comfort this girl. Check for any other physical injuries. The only wound that you see visible to your eye is that wound on her knee. You've done your checks. You've done everything you could. That's one of a prime example. A situation which an accident or incident that you could be facing in this industry. Okay, so those are a few classroom management strategies that I have shared with you in episode 5 for today. Hopefully, it will benefit any of you out there who is listening to this. Okay, we will be talking about career transitioning very, very soon. So, thank you for listening from episode 1 where we have introduced childcare and student care sectors. We will be talking about the broad topic of career transitioning and what job roles you can hop onto with the skills that you have. Do share our podcast to people who you think might benefit from this podcast. Thank you for listening in to this episode. Follow us on Instagram for other tips, news and updates on this podcast. If you're loving our podcast, spread the word and share it with your network. Screen record or screenshot and tag us in your social media. If you have any questions, stories or your personal experiences to share on our podcast, you can email it to us at almostnotateacher at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. Till then, 